Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. And boy, again, I am just so impressed that you are here today. Uh, such a wonderful crowd and uh, uh, more than what I expected. I've always been surprised through the years at folks that showed up on holidays. Of course, there are some that show up uh, twice a year. And, uh, but I'm looking at you, you guys are regulars. And so uh, thank you so much for being here. As we look at the greatest prophecy today, Isaiah chapter 7, in verse 14, we find the greatest prophecy, I believe, in the Bible. And you know, at Christmas time, we ask people to believe the impossible, to expect the incredible. And that is this thing we call the gospel that God became a man. Now, that would be hard enough. But God became a man in a virgin womb and lived and died and rose again and is coming again in glory one day. Amen. And that is the Gospel that we ask people to believe. And then God does not only the impossible, but the incredible in our lives. God changes lives. Look around you. We are all testimonies of His grace. It is by the grace and by the power of Almighty God that people become new creations in Christ. And so as we look at this greatest prophecy today, look at verse 14. Isaiah chapter 7. Therefore, the Lord Himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son. And she will call His name Emmanuel. Now let me give you just some of the history, the background in Isaiah 7. Isaiah chapter 7 there is an enemy that is pressing down on Israel. I mean, they're always fighting somebody. You know, there were the Moabites, the Ammonites, you know, the Mosquito Bites. I mean, they were always fighting somebody. So, they are attacked again by the enemy. And Ahaz is the king. Now, if you look at verse number 6, Isaiah 7, 6. And here is what Aram wanted to do. Let us go up against Judah and terrorize it and make for ourselves a breach in its walls and set up the son of Tabeel as king in the midst of it. So this evil nation was wanting to terrorize the people of God. Does that sound familiar? Today we are faced with terrorism all around us. Man, that's not a new thing. That's an old thing. And so here are the people of God. They are scared. They are afraid. The king doesn't know what to do. And so Ahaz does the right thing. He turns to the man of God. He turns to the prophet. 
God speaks about there will be a time when a sign will be given. A virgin will be with child. And that virgin will bear a child and he'll have this wonderful name. It will be the name Emmanuel. God with us. Man, you don't need to fear Aram. You don't need to fear the enemy when God with us is on your side. And so, they waited, yearned, and longed for the day that this prophecy would come true. Now take your Bible. Look in Matthew chapter 1. In Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25, you find the very fulfillment of Isaiah 7, 14. Hundreds of years have gone by. Some doubted. Some thought it would never come about. But here is a virgin maiden named Mary. A spouse engaged to a husband. And this betrothal between Joseph and Mary is on dangerous ground because this virgin is pregnant. Boy, think about the scandal that caused. How do you explain it? Well, you can't. And that's the thing about faith. How does a virgin become pregnant with a child? Man, that's a God thing. How does Jesus walk on water? That's a God thing. How does Jesus walk into a tomb and say, Lazarus, come forth? Man, that's a God thing. How does God change lives? Man, that's a God thing. Listen, you and I do the praying, God does the saving. And so what we find here in this wonderful text is a God thing. God, through the Holy Spirit, conceived a child in Mary. Let's read the story, alright? Matthew 1, 18-25. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When His mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man, and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son. And you shall call His name Jesus, for He will save His people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son. And they shall call His name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. 
and took Mary as his wife, but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. I was reading the story about Larry King. Larry King had a talk show for years on CNN. Larry King was asked one time, if you could make a list of people that you would like to interview, who would be at the top of the list? His answer, Jesus Christ. And the interviewer was shocked and said, Larry, why in the world would you want to interview Jesus? And here's what he said, not quote. He said, I would like to ask him if he was indeed virgin born. Because the answer to that question would define history. Now here is someone that made a living interviewing people. And of all those in history, he said Jesus Christ would be the one to interview and ask the question, are you really indeed the only virgin-born Son of God? I want to tell you, history is settled on that question. Our faith is settled on that question. C.S. Lewis, the great Christian writer, said that Jesus is one of three things. He's either a liar who told the greatest lies in history, or He's a lunatic with the composition of a madman, or He is indeed the Lord of lords and King of kings. And we know according to the Word of God, this thing called the virgin birth settles the issue. If you would take your computer and type in, in your search engine, the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. I did that last week. And when I did that, I got 3,090,000 hits. Do you think the world is concerned about the virgin birth? 3,090,000 hits. I want to tell you, it does define history. Now, when you look at church history, when you look at church history, those highbrow, cold, liturgical churches, and there are a few out there, that quote these creeds Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. And I, I don't have a big issue with that as long as it's good doctrine. But there's one creed that a lot of churches quote called the Apostles' Creed. Then the Apostles' Creed, it says, I believe in God the Father Almighty, Maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. Man, even the Apostles' Creed confirms that. What about the Baptist faith and message? In the Baptist faith and message, it says, He, Jesus, was conceived of the Holy Spirit 
and born of the Virgin Mary. Strike it from the seminaries, but it's still true. Strike it from our doctrine, but it's still true. Man, it is the issue that settles whether Jesus is the Son of God or not. Man, I can't help but getting fired up about it. Man, I love talking about the virgin birth of Jesus. What should that great miracle do in our lives? How should it impact us? Let me share with you today, first of all, we're reminded God still does the supernatural. Oh, aren't you glad He does? God still does the supernatural. We find in verse number 18, this is a supernatural verse. Now, Matthew begins his Gospel back in chapter 1, verse 1, talking about the lineage of Jesus, the genealogy. Now, boy, that's, that's not real exciting reading. So-and-so begat so-and-so. So-and-so begat so-and-so. My, my mom was talking about our lineage, and you know, she was so excited about learning our family tree. I said, not me, man. I don't want to dig up them bones. I'm scared with all five. But the lineage of Jesus links him to David as the rightful king. But we find that this king, this king called Jesus, would be born, now listen, would be born on earth without a father. And in heaven without a mother. We find it is the coming together of a woman and the divine Holy Spirit that created life. Now, in verse number 18, you find this word betrothed. Now, I know some paraphrases would use the word engaged. But betrothal is different than engagement. A betrothed young woman was pledged between the ages of 12 and 13 with a man marrying around 18. A betrothal was more than an engagement. It could only be broken by legal divorce. Sexual unfaithfulness during a betrothal had one punishment. Stoning the woman to death. Now I want to tell you, in verse 19 where it says, Joseph wanted to put her away secretly. The reason why is because Mary should have been, would have been in a street pummeled by stone. She would have been stoned to death. But we find that God intervened there. God also blesses humility. Now, look again to Luke, Luke's Gospel. Look at Luke, alright? Luke chapter 1. Flip over to Luke chapter 1, verse 38. Luke 1, 38. Luke chapter 1, verse 38. And Mary said, Behold the bond slave of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. 
What does Mary call herself? The bond slave of the Lord. Man, what a humble young woman. She was so humble before God. And so, we find that this birth was different. God still does the supernatural. Now let me spin off that and have a word for today. Don't you ever think, don't you ever doubt that God can answer big prayers because He can. God can still shake a world. God can still change lives. God can still call a Billy Graham. God can still raise up a Dwight L. Moody. God can still do that. God can do the supernatural. Man, I am a testimony of that. Let me tell you, I am a, believe it or not, <laughs> I am a shy, a shy young kid. Alright? Afraid of my own shadow. And a supernatural God called me, empowered me, equipped me for the ministry. Man, it's a God thing. I want to tell you, before I ever went to college, before I ever went to seminary, I could preach. Man, that's not a Richard thing. That's a God thing. God still does the supernatural. Now, if you don't hear anything else, man, listen to this. He can still turn water to wine, sickness to healing, sadness to joy, lostness to salvation. He is able. Oh, do you remember the old hymn, Our God is Able? I mean, I, I love, boy, that gets the Baptist marching around the church. Man, listen, God can do the supernatural. Alright, I've got to move on. Lesson number two. Lesson number two. God still speaks to His children. Now, we find back in Matthew's Gospel, Matthew chapter 1, 19 through 21, you find God speaking. God, God speaking. Now, God primarily spoke to Joseph in a dream. Now, I want to tell you, when I have a dream, it's usually not about God. It's about someone chasing me and I'm trying to get away. You know, like the guy that dreamed, you know, he ate a marshmallow, then his pillow was gone. I mean, <laughs> that's the dreams I got, alright? Now, God, though, spoke to Joseph through, through dreams. Now, look at verse 19. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man, not wanting to disgrace her, Plan to send her away secretly. Now, Joseph is called a righteous man. He was righteous. I want to tell, tell you men something. One of the best things you can be for your wife and for your children is a righteous man. There are some things, absolutely, definitely, that are right and some things are wrong. And what a wife wants to know, and what a child wants to know, does my daddy, does my husband, stand for something? 
Because we're living in a day and time where men, even those that claim to be men of God, they got their finger in the air trying to figure out which way the wind is blowing. I want to tell you, I don't care what it costs. I don't care who it offends. I don't care who it makes mad. There are some things you got to stand up and say, Thus saith the Lord. That may be right for somebody else, but it ain't right for me. Joseph was that kind of man. He was a righteous man. He lived to please God. And notice here in this verse 19, he did not want to disgrace Mary, but wanted to send her away secretly. Alright. Also we find that he was listening. Listening in a way that pleased the Father. Um, Look at this verse 20. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Okay, now catch this. Verse 19, he's got his mind made up. He's going to send Mary away. Verse 20, everything changed because he listened to the Lord. Now, ladies, I'm not going to pick on you. Let me just pick on the men, alright? There are times, men, that you've got to say, I've changed my mind. I'm going to do something different. God's led me a different way. Aren't you glad that Moses changed his mind? I'm glad he did. Aren't you glad that Abraham changed his mind? Aren't you glad that Simon Peter changed his mind? I mean, when you look through the Word of God, you've got great men of God listening to the Lord, and when God says, turn around, go a different direction, they listen and they obey. God can speak in a variety of ways. He can speak in a dream. He can speak in a fire. He can speak in a bush. He can speak in the wind. Or He can speak in a still, small voice. But God still speaks. Man, listen. He walks with me and He talks with me. And He tells me I am His own. Oh, I love that phrase from in the garden. God still speaks. All right. Number three. Number three. God still keeps His promises. God still keeps His promises. Now, look here at verses 22 and 23. Verse number 22. Now, all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Pull out that word, fulfill. God fulfilled Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. God fulfilled His Word. Man, you know, did Isaiah understand how God was going to fulfill the prophecy? Absolutely not. Did the prophets always understand what they wrote down? Absolutely not. Do you always understand the will of God? No. 
That's what this thing, faith, is about. Man, we walk by faith. The evidence of things not seen. The conviction of things hoped for. 1994, I left Oklahoma and came to South Carolina. Pastored a church up there for 14 years. Went to Killian Baptist Church. Pastored there five years. Now I'm here. Did I understand that journey when I left Oklahoma? Absolutely not. But I went by faith. I want to tell you what God does. God gives you illumination and direction. Just like you got in your car at night when you turn those lights on. If I'm driving from Elgin to Charlotte, unless you've got a different car than I've got, when I turn the lights on, they don't shine all the way to Charlotte. They shine just far enough for me to keep that car between the lines. And that's the same way that God gives illumination. Man, He doesn't show you the whole journey. You know why? Because you couldn't handle it. Because you couldn't understand it. Some of you in this room, you are cancer survivors. God didn't let you know five years, ten years before you had cancer that you were going to have cancer. Good reason why. You couldn't handle it. And so God gives illumination. God fulfills. I love that word. God fulfills His Word, His promises, when He deems it the right time. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 20-21 through 21 says, Holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Now listen to this. God gave over 400 prophecies in the Old Testament all fulfilled in Jesus. Over 400. Now in verse number 23, it says that the virgin will be with child, bear a son. What will the child be called there? Emmanuel. God with us. I don't know what storms you're going to face in 2018. But if you know the Lord in a personal way, God is with you. God with us. He shows up in the fiery furnace, doesn't He? He also shows up at Olive Garden. <laughs> he also shows up at McDonald's. See, the problem of the people of God through the years is that they think God shows up on Sunday. i got news for you. If He's just your Sunday God, you need a new Savior. You need a new Savior. Emmanuel, God with us. He still keeps His promises. Let me show you a verse. I, I found this verse this week. Look at 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians. You know we say this. I, I found this verse this week. Well, I, I've seen it before. But God put the spotlight on 2 Corinthians chapter 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 7. And look at verse number 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 7 verse 1. Therefore having these promises, 
Beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Man, because we have all these promises, because God has promised me eternal life, because God has promised me the streets of gold, God has promised me all these wonderful things, I need to walk in holiness every single day. All right. Let me bring it home, okay? Fourth and last thing today. God still honors obedience. And that's verses 24 and 25. Verse 24. And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife. In verse number 24, we find that Joseph obeyed immediately. Immediately. Isn't that, that is so unlike us? Far too many times we get a word from God and we say, okay, God, I'll do that tomorrow. God inspires us to go share Christ with a neighbor. Yeah, Lord, I'll get around to doing that. God says, give a little bit over your tithe. Yeah, yeah, Lord, when I can afford it, I'll do that. You know, Joseph obeyed immediately. And also he obeyed completely. Now I don't understand all this, but verse number 25 says he kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. The Bible says that not only was it immediate, it was complete. He kept Mary a virgin until she conceived. I think Joseph wanted to make sure they did not have a half-hearted commitment. He wanted a full, 100% sold-out commitment to the Lord. I was reading about what is at stake in respect to the virgin birth. Let me share with you five things here as I close. Number one, the trustworthiness of Scripture. If Isaiah 7.14 and Matthew chapter 1 is wrong, then the whole Bible's wrong. Number two, the legitimacy or illegitimacy of Christ's birth. Number three, the sinlessness of the Son of God. Without the virgin birth, He's not the Son of God and He's not the sinless Son of God. Number four, the wedding of deity and humanity. Let me tell you why that's important. Because He lived a sinless life as a man. He was flesh and blood. A ghost, a spirit can't die on the cross. Only a man can do that. And number five, the salvation of sinners. He must be both God and Man. The greatest prophecy, the greatest miracle is attacked today by the greatest liar. And that's Lucifer or Satan. I love this Christmas carol, and I'll close with this. O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin 
and enter in. Be born in us today. We hear the Christmas angels, the great glad tidings tell. Oh, come to us, abide with us, our Lord Emmanuel. Let me pray. Father, thank You for Your precious Word. God, thank You that You kept Your promise. And Father, may we be faithful to declare to a world that we have the one and only virgin-born Son of God who died on the cross for us as our Savior. Lord, that's the reason why we celebrate. In Jesus' name, Amen. God bless you.